Hey, this is Heath Padgett, and welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast, episode 14. Welcome to today's show. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, the RV Entrepreneur is a weekly show I launched to be a resource for anybody who is trying to build up a remote income while traveling full-time. For the past couple years, my wife Alyssa and I have lived, worked, and traveled in an RV and met so many non-retired people who do the exact same. They live this weird kind of life where they only own enough stuff that fits in one RV, they move around from place to place, and their business allows them to literally be anywhere in the country or the world. This podcast is different than most entrepreneur-related podcasts because the people I interview haven't launched multi-million dollar companies or have hundreds of employees. They're just normal people who have started businesses that allow them to travel full-time and live a lifestyle they choose. This podcast is also unlike most travel-related podcasts because we don't really discuss travel tips or destination ideas. It's more of an intersection between business travel and life on the road. It's a podcast for people who aren't just interested in a two-week vacation, but a long-term travel lifestyle. It's also a podcast for people who are interested in still making an impact in their work, even though they don't have the traditional 9-to-5 career. And in today's episode, I'm interviewing a guy named Mark Kuda, who recently hit the road full-time with his wife, Gabby. And Mark's full-time job is running his business called SparkSource, which is a marketing and design firm with a specialty in content marketing. And I asked Mark to be on the show today for a couple of reasons. First of all, he's a full-time entrepreneur, RV entrepreneur now. And the second reason was Mark has nearly 10 years of experience doing freelance and web design work with clients, even though he's only 23 years old. Yes, Mark actually started getting freelance design clients when he was 14. I didn't even know what the word freelance was when I was 14. And something that has gotten brought up a lot on the show has been this idea of freelance writing for companies as a way to dip your toe into a client-based business for people who enjoy writing. But what does that really mean, and how much does it pay? Does becoming a freelance writer for a company mean blogging, social media, SEO, website copy? What what does that actually mean? Today, Mark actually breaks down for us exactly what it looks like to work with a company as a quote-unquote freelance writer. But he explains why your goal should not be to become a freelance writer for one of these blogs or for one of these companies, because typically freelance blogs that you write for a company may pay you 30 or 40 bucks or a little bit higher, depending on what kind of company you're writing for. Instead, Mark shares how he's become a full-on content strategist for his clients and what exactly that looks like, how he works with companies to design an overall strategy for how their blog, their social media, their website, and everything else fits together to help grow their business. He shares how this can be much more lucrative than simply freelance writing. We'll go into more details in today's show. Oh, and just and just so you know, before we get started, it started pouring down rain as soon as we started recording this episode, which normally, if you live in a house or are recording in some kind of studio, is not that big of a deal. But we're in an RV, so it sounds like a hailstorm is going on outside. I did my best to cut out the uh, rain in post, but you can still hear it. So just pretend it's a bit of ambience, ambiance, however you want to say it, and that I did it on purpose, even though I didn't. Let's get into today's episode with Mark Kuda. <laughs> that was a that was a sigh of exhaustion. I'm here with Mark Kuda. Mark is 23 years old, a self-proclaimed nerd, and recently hit the road in his 23-foot Coachman Freelander RV to full-time RV across the country. In 2012, Mark started his own marketing and design business called SparkSource, which he has been building up with the intention to hit the road for the past few years. In 2005, he also received a top blogger under 18 award. And before he started his own company, he worked in sales and fulfillment for three marketing and design firms, gathering experience uh, before he started his own business from 2009 to 2015. Thanks for being here, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. 
And I just have to start off this episode by saying (laughs) Mark and I have sat here for the last half hour talking together. We're in person for this episode. Obviously, you can hear by the quality of the audio. And then I looked at Mark and said, dude, I made a really bad mistake. I recorded this on my audio, the audio from my computer and not our mic audio. So we had to take about five or 15 minutes to take a break and come back. More like 15. More like 15 minutes. Dude, <laughs> I appreciate I appreciate the patience. So I want to start off this episode by sharing how we met last week. You emailed me like a month ago and you said, hey, man, I've been following y'all's journey. And my wife and I are about to get a rig. We're young. We're in our early 20s. And we're going to be in Austin the same time as you guys. So we should hang out. I said, that sounds great. And you came here to Austin and you pulled in our campground last week. And tell me what happened. Well, uh, GPS sent us to the second gate, which is a much smaller gate, but we didn't think anything of it. We pulled in, parked by the boat that you had mentioned, and you said, hey, pull around through here. There's you know, there's a side road you can come through or whatever. And we should have fit just fine. There was a little like ditch on the left, so I was kind of favoring the right side, just trying to be careful. And there was an electrical guardrail, which we thought was perpendicular to our rig, but it was actually kind of angled a little bit towards us. And lo and behold, the four inches of our awning that sticks off the side of our of our OV caught the guardrail just enough to slowly but surely rip it clear off the side of the rig. So that was that was our formal introduction. I know people that have an RV are out there just cringing right now, just thinking about that happening. And I walked outside and I saw it from far away, and I just saw the the line like bouncing up and down, and I. I was like, oh man, I think it's, I think he's okay. And then he's like, no, we're not okay. <laughs> and I walk in the, the metal that's, you know, connecting their awning, it's just mashed up. And I'm just looking at his face and it's, it was we'll kind of like some pictures online somewhere. So yeah, people can, can visualize the, what's the happening. So this is our first meeting. And I also want to add that this is a brand new 2016 RV. Yes. You guys have had it a little over a month. Yep. Two months now. Man, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I am too. Thankfully, insurance took care of it. You know, they're going to get a lot worked out. We're, we're good to go there. Thanks to Nationwide for that. But uh, yeah, it was a terrible, terrible experience. You took it like a champ. Yeah. I like, knew you were dying inside. Oh, yeah. Like 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 I said on the on the first take, you know, <laughs> it was uh, probably a good thing that you guys were there. Otherwise, I definitely would have been freaking out a lot more than I was. But by the time we were alone that night and we left to go, you know, to go find some place to, to sleep for the night, whatever. I was uh, I was over enough that uh, it, it didn't sting as much anymore. Plus we had we had taken you guys kayaking. We had almost sank the kayaks. That was and then true. We, and then we'd also, you know, had a couple uh, Jack and Cokes. That and so you had some time to relax yeah. and just kinda of veg some out. Good burgers and, yeah, and that's yeah. what and what you're hearing right now, that's actually rain. But since we've already had two takes, we're just gonna keep going and yeah. just pretend it's ambiance in the background. Just enjoy it. Just enjoy it, yeah. Um. <laughs> All right, Mark. This right. is the RV life. This is the RV life. You, you we can't go. Rain, we yeah. can't go anywhere. There's a there's like a group building where people go in, you know, to hang out. And I know that if I took the the mic in there, people would walk in and just start talking to me. So we're just chewing gonna, on trail mix. Yeah, chewing on trail mix. <laughs> so, Mark, give me an overview of what it, what the work is that you do right now. What does your business do? Yeah. So right now, um, anything marketing design. That's what I do. So it started out obviously with freelance graphic design, like I told you before from the age of 14, just doing little projects here and there online when I could find them piecemeal work, paying through PayPal 20, 30, 40 bucks at a time. But you know, for a 14 year old kid, it was great. I started my blog, monkeyblogger.com, typical name that a 14 year old would come up with. (laughs) 
And that blog was dedicated for tips and tricks for internet professionals. So my goal was to help people to do what I did and learn how to freelance. Um, and with that, I learned about blogging, I learned about WordPress, I learned about marketing and SEO, and, and I really started to love the idea of helping people grow their businesses, whether it was online or offline or with their design, with their branding, marketing campaigns, social SEO content, whatever it was, I was enamored by all of it. I started learning more web design, I started developing WordPress websites, started doing that for clients, and I basically got, got to a point where I wanted my, my goal with my business was to create the type of environment where a client could come to me with any number of design, branding, and marketing related issues, problems, or goals, and that I could help develop a strategy and then fulfill on that strategy so that they could meet the, the expectations and, and meet their goals that they set out for their business. So whether that's logo design, website design, you know, blog design, content marketing, SEO, social media marketing, or even some I've done offline marketing like flyers and, you know, everyday direct mail, advertising, radio, even a little bit of TV, that type of thing. So my goal is to just look at what people's problems are in their business and then find a way to solve those issues and, and hopefully help them to grow. Absolutely. So why transition into living in RV? You guys are 23 and 22. Your wife, Gabby's 22. So what was the point in jumping into an RV and transitioning the clients that you've probably worked really hard to build up in Florida? in one place and try to hit the road. Yeah, and that was definitely a difficult part of it. Even though I worked from home and I didn't go to the office for my clients, I would still have lunch meetings with them. I'd still pop in at the office. I would still you know, see them in person and spend some time with them. And that aspect was going to be gone once, once we went on the road. And I knew that. And we started kind of thinking about doing this back in 2013 when we first threw around the idea. And so from that moment forward, we kind of thought about how we could make ourselves totally location independent when it came to our work. So that when we did want to go away for a trip and travel, we would we'd be able to do that. And surprisingly, it wasn't that difficult with the existing clients I had. You know, some of them I just kind of stopped seeing them as often and then started communicating more heavily with email and phone. And with some of my longer term clients, you know, they have my cell phone and I have theirs. And we even communicate over text message. Um, that's a really great way sometimes for clients to send off a quick question or thought or concern or troubleshoot an issue um, and me be able to get to it quickly and then take care of their problems you know, smoothly. With other clients, something that we've done and we've done very recently, um, we send them things too. We send them thank yous. We send them cards. We send them gift cards. I just recently sent a great client that we have that we've been working for, working with for four and a half years. I sent them a really nice edible arrangements to their office. And, <laughs> and, you know, it was, I couldn't be there in person. So I wanted to give them something to replace it. And of course you can't really replace face-to-face -face communication hundred percent, but you can do a lot of different things to kind of meet them halfway. And so that, it wasn't too difficult to, to do that. But of course, the kind of work that I do already lends itself to being separated from the place that you're working on. It's not like I'm building furniture for someone that they have right. to see and that I have to deliver or catering where I have to bring them hot, fresh food or something like that. You know, our product is digital. Our services is, is intangible. So because of that, our business kind of already lends itself to that. And I think that, that was part of the reason why we, we kind of leaned towards our view is simply because we knew that with the kind of work that we did, we, we should probably be able to figure out how to make it work. Yeah, absolutely. And what was what was the draw to actually just getting in an RV and hitting the road? Well, you know, we had originally thought about doing a tiny house. Um, that was like one of our original ideas uh, in 2013 that we came up with. We wanted to live simple life. That's kind of always been our goal is to just have a simple life, not focus so much on material things and really just focus on the things that we can do to help other people and to, to be happy and to, to live a fulfilling life with purpose and of course having less material things helps you to do that and having less overhead a smaller house or no house helps you to do all those things um, and after we looked at a tiny house we knew that we wanted to do some traveling and take a trip you know, a cross-country trip and we knew that with a tiny house although some people do it 
it's a little hard to stay, you know, incognito, as you mentioned, with a big old truck pulling yeah. what is essentially a cottage on wheels. And so we started to look at RVs because of that. And first it was a Class A with a toad, and then we thought about a Class B, and we kind of settled in the middle of a Class C. We knew we wanted something small, and, and we kind of just researched it too much to the point where, where we eventually settled on, on our rig, Monty. <laughs> yeah. So you have a unique story in the fact that you didn't go to college and you're 23 and so you've had a crazy amount of work experience for somebody your age talk to me about why you intentionally made that decision and how it's affected where you are now yeah my my parents never pushed college they never said you couldn't go to college but it was never something that that was really in the cards um and you know i really appreciated that growing up because it helped me like i said to just focus on things that were more important and for us money wasn't one of those things parents you know, did well for themselves, but my father didn't go to college. He just worked hard to, to get a good job and eventually moved to different companies and moved to different positions that helped him to take care of his family. And I always really admired that. And for me, I was always kind of an entrepreneur type of kid. I always wanted to like find a way to make money doing something. And I always thought that starting a business would be really fun. It'd be really cool. Of course, it's a lot harder than I thought it was when I was 14. But I, I knew that I wanted to start working. And when I was in school, that was when I started doing freelance graphic design. And I was able to make money so quickly, even though you know it wasn't a lot of money. I knew I was 14. I didn't know what I was doing. And yet I was pulling in sometimes three or four jobs a day, getting from these forums, and they would pay you know, 20, 30 bucks a piece. And that's, you know, easy hundred dollars right there. And of course, I didn't do that every day and I didn't make hundred dollars every single day. But I just knew that there was a way to make a living doing this. And so for me, even if I had wanted to go to college, that right there kind of put me on the path to just jump straight into working, um, knowing that I could make money doing something that I didn't go to college for that I taught myself, which was graphic design and eventually web design and marketing. It just spoke to me that I didn't need to go to school to learn how to do it. And, and the, the other thing, too, is that when you go to school for something like marketing or design, as you know, curriculum isn't always up to date. And design, design programs, programming languages, the software that you use to program and design, it's all changing so quickly and trends change so quickly. By the time you learn something in college when it comes to design or programming and you get out of college, a lot of that stuff might be outdated, maybe more so design than in programming. But, for example, when I was in school, they were teaching a lot of the, the web 2.0 style of graphic design, which is a lot of glossy buttons and really big outer glow and giant stroke around all your text. And it was like, had I gone to school by the time I had finished school and that was all that I knew, that trend was already over. And so that I would already be one step behind and then probably in lots of student debt. So being the, that the industry I wanted to be in was one that was always moving so quickly, uh, it was a moving target. And I knew that on the job training, ongoing education and doing things like like what we have now, like Lynda.com is one of the earlier ones that I used to study. Um, and then now we've got Treehouse and Code Academy and Code School, and there's so many other different places that you can, there's the Iron Yard that they have different locations that you can go learn programming and design. There's so many ways to learn these things without dropping tens of thousands of dollars on you know university education and then unfortunately being stuck in student debt, which is what a lot of people end up having to do. Yeah. Do you think that also being 14 years old when you got started, you were at an advantage because you were pumped about getting 25 to 30 bucks for, you know, <laughs> what you were designing? But at the same time, I talked to a lot of people who are just getting into freelancing and there's this friction between, you know, should I give away my work for free? How do you go about getting that initial traction to actually get clients and whatnot? Yeah. And then that's a really difficult balance, I think. And artists of any kind, and I consider programming an art, I consider web design, obviously, an art. Even marketing is an art, and of course, you know, graphic design is an art. People think sometimes that artists don't deserve as much money as they do, you know. And and I, I remember seeing a comment that my sister, who is a wedding photographer, uh, so she understands this very well. She posted a, I think it was in a comment strip, 
that a cartoon that basically said uh, that this business owner would pay this person in experience. The freelancer asked, well, how much is this job going to pay? Oh, don't worry, you'll get tons of exposure. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, okay, but guess what? Exposure doesn't pay the bills. And so that's a really difficult balance sometimes. So I do think that being 14 and not really having any bills that I had to worry about personally at the time, it made $25 a lot of money. Instead of having to go to my dad when my friends wanted to go to the movies and ask him for 10 bucks for a movie ticket and another 10 so I could go out to eat afterwards, I could just simply say, hey, can I get a ride to the movie theater? And I could take care of it myself. And that was something that I always, always really loved, being able to, to take care of myself. And whenever I wasn't in a position to do that, I really, really hated it. So I think that it's true that you know being young, coming into it, it helps. But freelancing doesn't always have to be a full-time thing. So if you have a job that isn't freelance or you're moving into a freelance type of industry coming from something totally different, you know, do it on the side. Get your laptop out or your, your computer and spend a couple hours in the evenings here or there honing in on your skills, taking some treehouse courses or Linda courses or something like that, and just play around with it. That's the beautiful thing about the web and about design is all you need is a computer and internet connection, and you can start to build that portfolio. Do personal projects for yourself. You know, Do lower-cost projects for people. And eventually, as you start to build that portfolio, then you can come to people and say, hey, listen, I know you want to do this project, and this is the minimum budget that it's going to take to do something like this. And if you're fortunate enough, and we're not always there, you can turn away projects that you don't feel like doing because they're not going to be you know, enough money for you or they're not going to help you meet that goal that you have for your revenue. But it's all, it's all a process, and I think that you need to be patient for sure, especially when you're trying to also work out the logistics of moving into an RV, mm-hmm. which is just about a nightmare. I mean, it was like the most... <laughs> The month, that, the month between when we bought our RV and moved into it full-time, we had one month still in our apartment, and they fortunately let us park right in the complex, so it was right there. That month was like the most stressful month, just trying to get everything put together. So, you know, this is something you want to start working on long before that process. So by the time you're actually getting your RV, you got things, you don't have to have everything figured out, but you've got at least a plan, a game plan, and you know how to move forward with it. In our last conversation that we recorded and then lost forever, we <laughs> talked about some of the struggles that you guys had when you were first stepping out on your own because you were doing sales and working in fulfillment at a company while you were trying to get your company started. So talk to me about some of the, the I guess, the biggest trials that you went through during that time. I think part of it was just being okay with the fact that I didn't have to do it all, by the way. Starting a business is difficult. Sometimes you have a big break. Sometimes things just work out for you. And sometimes they don't. Most of the time they don't. And a lot of businesses fail because people don't continue to try. And that's what happened to me almost many, many times. Having extreme doubts almost pushed me away from having my business at all. And something that I think a lot of entrepreneurs uh, or business owners don't want to admit, but while they're starting their business and they struggle, you have to find other ways to take care of your family. So, you know, during the time of starting my business, I have worked for other companies, sometimes part-time, sometimes contract, sometimes full-time, and sometimes somewhere in between. Um, fortunately, right now, I'm not doing that. I'm solely with, you know, with SparkTrace so and with my client work. Um, but if it ever gets to a point where I have to go back to doing work with someone else, we'll make it work. We'll figure it out because that's, I think that's what real entrepreneurs do is they don't get so hung up on, trying to appear successful that they forget to actually be successful in what they're doing. And so it's not always easy. And I think that that's one thing I really loved about your podcast too. When you interview people is it's a, it's very real. You know, I I think about the the interview you did with, with Cherie and Chris, you know, they were very, very honest, just like they always are on their blog. You know, they're such straightforward people. They made it clear. This isn't a vacation that we're on. This is just a different kind of life. We just don't live in the same place all the time like you do. But we still work a lot. We still have the same struggles. Our business still has its ups and downs. There are still highs and lows. And I think that 
it's it's good and important for people to to understand that who are RVing and maybe struggling and they see certain people online who maybe look like they have perfect glamorous lives and they got they wonder gosh why is it that my RV life is so much more difficult than theirs their life is just as difficult as yours they're just not showing it to you and and I think that that's something you just have to accept when when you're a business owner when you're an entrepreneur and when you're an RVer that there's just struggles and so there have been times where we had to take work that we maybe didn't want to do but it paid the bills so we 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 take it on and and I think that that struggle is just something that's ongoing and you know I started my business in 2012. I was working full-time for a marketing company, so I found another position after I built my business up a little bit with a different company that was part-time. So I was working three days a week for them and then two days a week in my business. So I had more time for my business now, and I kind of just slowly transitioned that way. And then about two months before we got married was when I finally said goodbye to, to my, my last job in an office that wasn't from home or remote and uh, went full-time with SparkSource. And, you know, we, we did well for two years or so, and then we had some struggles, and, and so we, you know, we had to explore other options and take on some other work and, and we did and, and you know we're thankful for the opportunities that we had and, and fortunately a skill set that, that I've been able to somewhat hone in over the last 10 years has been able to to provide me opportunities when I've needed them to to further our income in other ways and I think just being flexible and, and being humble and not being too proud to accept work that that is going to help you to, to fund your lifestyle is is an important mindset to have because if we hadn't just sucked it up and done what we needed to do, we wouldn't be here right now having this interview. Yeah. And we wouldn't be here in in Texas at you know at Lake Travis in this beautiful setting, you know, enjoying a, a wonderful trip and knowing that we have a lot more ahead of us going out west and, and seeing all these wonderful things. We wouldn't have been able to do that if we were too proud. And and I think that's a that's a big a big theme when it comes to being a successful entrepreneur and also just being a successful RVer because things just happen. Bad things yeah, happen. I love that. I've never heard the term successful RVer. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> you that's, know, it's not trademarked. <clears throat> yeah, trademark. <laughs> Mark Kudo. Uh, that's not something I've really talked about on this podcast is this, this whole idea of, uh, I don't even feel like we use the word entrepreneur that much on this podcast, but it is such a, it's a buzzword. I know everyone talks about being an entrepreneur. And there's a lot of people online who publish tons of articles about being an entrepreneur. And a lot of them are, you know, how to quit your job and go see the world. And, you know, a lot of them are just written in this hunky-dory way that makes it seem really feasible. It's like, if, if you think about it like this, if you ever watch the news, they bring in these special human interest stories for three minutes at a time. You can't really go in depth and really get to know somebody within that three minutes. So they give you the these cookie-cutter looking highlights that everybody gets to see. But that's why I love the podcast format, because you can actually dig in and get to have a real conversation with somebody. And it's almost like that same thing when you read this article or blog about how to become a successful entrepreneur and you think that the 10 steps to being successful are really going to get you to be successful in one blog post. <laughs> and it's just, you know, some of it makes me want to puke because there's a lot of people that's like, oh, I'll teach you how to be an entrepreneur and they've never they've never done it. And for me, it's like I'm still struggling with the fact that like what we're doing doesn't feel like a real business because we're getting paid for film clients. I'm paid to go speak at Chick-fil-A a couple of weeks ago. So random times companies have been asking me to come in and speak. We've done a documentary project that we're going to sell. And so technically, we've got products, we've got clients, it's paid our bills for two years doing this kind of work. But I still don't even feel like a real entrepreneur. And I think that Maybe that makes me more of an entrepreneur because I'm willing to admit that. You know what yeah. I mean? A lot of these people who put out this crap, who try to tell you how you can do it and, and things like that. A lot of these people are just bloggers making online courses. About it's, it's true. Yeah. And, and and it's something that I saw for a long time in the internet marketing space. Um, it, I, I don't know if any of you guys are familiar with Warrior Forum, but that's like the black hole for internet marketing because there's so much good stuff on there. 
and there's some good products, and there's a lot of good knowledge that you can gain from that forum. But there's there's these things called warrior special offers, and they're basically like products that these internet marketing guys make, and they make tons and tons of money. And the majority of the product products are simply ways to build a business quick or like to make money online or doing exactly what they're doing and teaching other people to just but there's no value that's that's the thing it that's the thing because it's like the product teaches you how to do something else to make money online but the truth is the only way that the guys that are selling the product actually make money is by selling you the product because they've never actually been successful doing the thing that the product is supposed to teach you to do yeah and that's literally 99.9 percent of the products out there and that is exactly the kind of entrepreneur, quote unquote, that I don't want to be. I want to be the kind of entrepreneur that is more about just helping people, helping people grow their businesses or helping people further them themselves personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I can make a living doing that, that's great. Like finding a need and solving it. Right? Exactly. You know, like people have film needs and we can go out and film video. People have design needs. They need a book design. They need a website design to run their business that's serving people. Maybe it's a hospital. Maybe it's whatever. But you're providing a real tangible need. And so there's a lot. Don't get fooled if you're listening to this. Don't get fooled by these people. That's like how to make a million dollars. You know, there's a lot of charlatans out there. There really, really are. Yeah. And and the best way to make money is find something that, you know, that you love doing or that you at least really like doing that you can do remotely if you want to RV and work really hard at it. And it's going to be hard. And sometimes you're going to make a big chunk of money. It's going to feel really good. And then the next month, like you mentioned before, you're going to make 10 bucks and then it's going to feel really bad. And that feast of fam feast of famine attitude is it's difficult to deal with, but you know you just have to learn that when big projects come in, don't get excited and go buy five thousand dollars of solar panels. You know, <laughs> as tempting as it is, no matter how many times you watch the Gone with the Winds video about solar, exactly, yeah, <laughs> and no no matter how badly it wants you to have a three thousand, it makes you want to have a three thousand watt pure sign inverter on your rig. You know, a Go Power one. The Xantrax one is just fine. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think the most practical form, if you want to be able to build up an income and take a business that you can take on the road, there there's not really shortcuts. There's things that you can do to accelerate that process. Yeah. But at the core of it, you, know, you find, you develop skills to run some type of business and solve a need. And it's a process that will probably take you at least several years to be able to do it if you're working really hard, reading books, finding mentors and things like that. But there's nothing. I mean, the point of this podcast isn't to be able to say like, hey, here's an idea. You can go do it tomorrow and be able to practically make it happen. It's something that these conversations, I feel like if I was a fly on the wall, I would be hearing these things and okay, these continue to make me want to hone my skills and, and refine them and, and grow from these conversations. And that's why, you know, that's why we're here. Yeah. I think that the recurring theme with, with this podcast so far, at least the episodes I've heard, which is the majority of them, <laughs> is is like you said, there's no there's no really quick way to do it. Sometimes it happens quickly, but it wasn't a quick way. It just didn't happen to work out like that. It's yeah. just a lot of hard work and realizing that it's going to be difficult and that you're probably not going to have as much money as you think that you might have. It's going to be different for everyone too. Yeah. Or you're going to have way more money than you think that you're going to have. It's all, it's all about your mindset. But the fact of the matter is that, you know, I'm 23. My wife is 22. Neither of us have ever gone to college and we work for ourselves. We don't make a ton of money, but we make enough to support ourselves for the time of need. And we're, we're new on the road and maybe in six months, things will be different. Um, maybe in three months things will be different. We don't know, but we're taking it one day at a time. And right now we're able to pay our bills and we're able to, to do enough work to, to feel fulfilled and still have time to enjoy the sights and enjoy the things that are around us. And it's very, very possible. And I don't consider myself to be an exceptional designer or an incredible marketer or an amazing programmer or a website designer or anything like that. 
run of the mill with anything else. But the fact of the matter is, I just put my mind to it, and we we've made it happen. Like you said, it hasn't always been easy, and it probably never will be quote unquote easy. But it's it's totally worth it. Yeah, I love that, and I feel like I'm I'm definitely in the same boat. So you've you've done development, web design, content strategy, all these different things for your clients. If you had to pick one of those to just focus on and do all the time, which one would you do? I mean, that's a tough one. I think that if I felt a more competent logo designer, I mean, not that I'm not good at it, but if I felt like that was my strongest skill, I find logo design really fulfilling and a whole lot of fun because it, it involves so much depth in strategy with the client and really understanding their needs and their business and, and trying to portray that in something so simple is really difficult. But when you're able to do it, if you're able to do it, the accomplishment always feels really great. But if I had to pick anything, I would say that I really enjoy creating content of any kind that benefits its readers in whatever industry it's in, whether it's for my clients or, or personally. Visual content, video content, image-based content, and, and written content is a lot of fun for me to be able to, to create things that people find value in. And I think that that's kind of my goal right now with our RVing is to, is to make my business so perfectly tuned to creating value whether it's for myself and our own products and services or for my clients. I just want to build as much value as possible. And I think that content and content strategy, promotion, marketing of that content, probably the biggest key to do that. You mentioned providing value, and now I remember what I was going to say a minute ago. You were talking about how you guys aren't making a ton of money right now, but you've made enough and you have enough client and runway and what you're working on right now to be able to go out and continue to travel. And we're in the same boat. I mean, we don't have a ton of reoccurring revenue every month. We've been getting our clients in three-month spurts and random projects that come in. I, I would love in an ideal world to have income, guaranteed income for the next two years. We're not there yet. We're working to get there. But I think that somebody that is listening is saying, like, you know what? I just want to be able to make more money, and I'll go travel whenever I want. And I think the flip side to that where we're currently at in this situation is, yeah, we may not be making a ton of money, but you were able to craft this really cool life around what you're doing right now. And for the next few years, you can go out and see the country, see all these amazing places and read books and, and learn and grow as a person and see all these things that a lot of people put off until they're 50, 60 years old, until they're almost too old to enjoy it. Yeah. And so I think that's an amazing, you know, kind of counter argument to that. And you can take whatever you learn in these few years or however long you guys spend on the road be able to put that to work in whatever you're doing next because people are going to look at you and say hey this guy's did something different he just didn't work in a startup for five years doing design he did design but he traveled all over the country he lived in an rv what did you learn from that makes yeah, you interesting for real you know? and, and and like i mentioned on our first take you know there have been times where i have beat out mba graduates and people with multiple college degrees on jobs and contracts they were much older than i was and probably much better or more wiser or you know or something of that combination. But the reason why I beat them out was because I, I had more experience and unique experience. And and I think that you, you just can't beat experience. And, and being an RVer makes you experience the country and experience things that you never would have otherwise. And so I think that that, that kind of unique angle is, is really important. Um, everyone should have something that they've done in their life that's different than what the people around them have done, even if it's minor. Um, you know, having kind of a unique viewpoint on life coming from somewhere that most people haven't come from i think affords you something a little bit different and different is is almost always good when it comes to trying to stand out from yeah. the crowd. it helps you provide value because you can come at creative problems in a whole different way that somebody else wasn't thinking yeah exactly it seems like content strategy and writing blogs is something that you've kind of 
done really well. You've told me that at some point you've been writing like 3,000 words a day for some of these companies yeah. and just cranking out blogs for SEO. How does that pay right now for people? Because I've done some content writing for just RV companies and it paid really terrible. But in the marketing space and for companies that have really cool products, it probably could actually pay really well. Yeah, I think that it pays a lot better when it's when you're not just writing the content. When you're responsible for marketing that content, promoting that content, syndicating that content, whether it's on your own channels or you know through influencers that you reach out to, bundling or combining the work of writing content with the strategy of how to actually utilize that content to grow a business is where you can really start to, to make it make money. I mean, I have done writing gigs where I have made as little as three cents a word or as much as 10 cents a word, and that's just for content. Sometimes it can be really good, sometimes it can be really terrible. Um, but you can really start to make more money if you can provide a specific value uh, in terms of a service, because writing, no matter how good it is, is still writing. And there's a lot of writers out there. You have to be able to provide something that's a little bit different. I would say on average for each article, for every 700 to 1,000 words, just for the content itself, um, Probably anywhere between thirty to seventy dollars is what I mean. Most people will be looking at in terms of like hiring you to write content. Um, but if you're thinking about doing content marketing or being a content strategist, really focus on the latter part of those those two names: the strategy and the marketing, um, because those are the avenues that are really going to help you provide value. And it's not just oh well, you can charge more for it because I don't like to think in that mindset. Like you said, it's all about providing value. Providing a great article is awesome, um, and it and if a company already has a marketing department uh, and they already have channels that they do their marketing, then, then that's perfect. Your article can slip right into their you know, their existing system and their format and they, they take care of it. But if you're working with smaller companies, in many cases, they don't have strategies. They just know, I, I know I need content. Right. Everyone tells me I need more content. I need good quality content and I need to promote that content. For you to come in and be able to provide an entire strategy of, of what kind of content you should write, then I'll write it for you. Then I'll take care of marketing your business. That's really where where it's worth something because an article to a local business owner might not be worth anything because they wouldn't even know what to do with it. But if you can tell them, listen, I'm going to take this article and I'm going to help you build this much traffic estimated to your website and then we're going to help to convert that traffic into leads and clients for you, that's where the business owner can start to actually see some dollar signs. You know, we had a client that they had a small restaurant and they were doing okay and we started a content strategy for them where we started doing reviews of, of actually different restaurants. It was one of the strategies that we did. And then pulled it in a blog where we talked about all of it. And that strategy was unique enough to create enough buzz that when we started to promote their specific restaurant to the local area using that you know, readership that we had built up, they started doing so good, eventually they opened up a second location. And that, for me, when I worked for a really big marketing company, we had a very, very large client that we did uh, local SEO for 120 property management locations. And that was really cool to have such a big client that we had brought on and did a lot of work on the fulfillment side. And they saw growth. And of course, because it's such a big company, the growth is so large in terms of sheer dollars. But the percentage of their company growth was so small because they were already so big. And so to me, to see a company make a million dollars that is already a $100 million company does nothing for me. But I can see a mom and pop restaurant that's kind of struggling, start to be successful enough to open up a second location. That you know, they that location maybe makes them an extra profit, maybe forty grand a year. You know, after all their expenses and everything, let's say that to me is worth more because that forty grand changes their life, whereas that million dollars put, adds a zero at the mm. end of, of you know financial report. I think a lot of people probably are more capable of doing this content management for people than they even realize oh, because yeah. I mean that strategy 
I mean, once you kind of learn the system, the format, you can take it and do it with any company. Because a lot of people might be thinking, like hearing this, hearing like SEO and all this stuff and thinking, oh, that sounds so terrible. But really what this is, is you're writing really good copy for companies, which brings them more traffic to their website. You're being strategic about maybe keywords you're using in articles. And so for a blog like mine, I'm going to be posting a lot of things related to living in an RV, you know, working on the road, things like that. Drive driving people from Google and being for the 10 people that use that over yeah, to my website. Or the three people that use Yahoo. Yeah, or the three people. <laughs> Actually, that may be more in this demographic, <laughs> so we got to watch out. No, but yeah, and then so, you know, how does this fit into social media and things like that? And so forming all these together for a strategy. So my question is, how do you go about finding a client like that? Obviously, once you have one, you could try to extend that and you can almost have this community manager type role for these companies right. providing content. But how do you actually go about getting some of those initial clients? Well, for me, it's it's been a, a slow process over 10 years. So it's, it's, it's grown and I've been able to get clients here and there from word of mouth and just from, you know, sometimes cold calling, which is something I did when I first started my business. I did a lot of cold calling. And my goal was never to be a cold calling based you know, growth. Uh, simply because I just didn't see it as sustainable and I didn't see it as something that I would have any interest in doing because I did a lot of cold calling at one point when I was in sales for marketing and I made 80, 90 calls a day. I spent five, six hours of my day talking on the phone. Sounds miserable. Yeah, and it is. <laughs> it's horrible. And you've been in sales, software sales, so you, yeah. you know what I'm talking about. It's it's terrible. Product demos. Terrible. And it, it, it works, but it is soul-sucking, you know, and, and that's exactly what I wanted to get away from. And so for, for me... The majority of the clients that I get are either word of mouth or from referrals or something that I've done and being on the road has afforded more opportunities to do this as well as you go into a business and say it's a restaurant and you provide a service or a product in your business that can benefit that person and you're a patron at their business and you're using their services, say dinner and the dinner was fantastic. Ask to speak to the owner. Have the owner come over and tell him, hey, listen, dinner was wonderful. Thank you so much. We really enjoyed it. We're traveling through the, you know, through the area. We wanted to come see something that was the locals have been raving about. It was your place. We loved it. By the way, let's say you know you confidence drivers. You say, hey, by the way, I noticed that your website hasn't been updated lately. Have you ever thought about doing more content? And of course, you might want to approach it a little bit softer, but that's really the point of it: is create legitimate relationships with people, provide them value before you ask for them. That's something that I did even when I started cold calling for my business. Is I would I would call people. My strategy, I'll give it away because I don't do it anymore. I would call people and I would tell them. I noticed your website was out of date. I want to put one together for you. And I want to show it to you. No strings attached. Just meet me for meet me for coffee and a treat and let me show it to you. If you like it, great, we can figure something out. If you don't, no problem, you walk away. And I got from the business owners I could get on the line, I mean I got like a sixty to seventy percent approval rate, you know, that I was wow. able to set an appointment with something like that. And obviously that's really, 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 really high because usually you're like Five percent if you're lucky, you know. Ten percent if it's lucrative or something like that, and or fifteen percent if you're Jordan Belfort. <laughs> and what would happen is I would I would uh, I had a template that I had built myself that was really good for local businesses, and it was built in a way that I could tweak it fairly easily to fit a business. So after I got off the phone with them, I'd grab some content from their existing website and I'd plug it into the three existing pages I already had. I'd switch the logos out and I'd you know mess with the colors a little bit. And I'd get something that was a minimum viable product to show them. And I would, I'd meet up with them and I'd show them, I'd explain to them why this website was better than their website, why it would convert better, you know, if it had lead generation forms or it had a content upgrade or it had something that would help them to actually generate leads off their website. And more often than not, people would say, wow, this sounds great. How do I do it? And then I'd, I would sell them the website. And then if they were 
particularly, you know, in a growth mindset, I would say, you know, by the way, my main business is really not just building these websites, but then helping people utilize them to actually grow their business. Would you like to talk about that? If they say yes, then we go into it. If they say no, no harm done. And it was difficult because sometimes I would spend, being that I'm a perfectionist, I'd spend six or seven hours like an idiot, you know, working on this, this mock-up site to show to the client. And then they would see it and they would be too small of a business and, and wouldn't have budget for it. And so I have to go back to the drawing board and refine the leads that I called and look for more qualifiers, research how big their business was, how long they had been in business, you know, how much revenue they have. There are places where you can find general numbers of how large a business is in terms of revenue size and just hone it in from there. But the idea is that I try to come, come at it from like a, a unique angle, something that other people weren't doing. And if you can do that, you can get clients. And once you get a couple of clients, you can use that base, like you said, to grow from there. And you have more of a portfolio to work with. You have word of mouth. You've got referrals. And don't be afraid to ask for them. I ask my clients for referrals all the time. I tell them, hey, this website that we put together for you, you know, how satisfied are you with it? Oh, we love it. It's a great website. I'm really happy. It's helping us drive more traffic. We convert, et cetera, et cetera. I said, great. Can you think of anyone that you know, any other business owner that could use something like this? Oh, well, I'm not too sure. Well, could you do me a favor? When you get a chance, pull out your phone, pull out your contact list, and just try and come up with maybe one or two people that you think might help us out. And hey, or maybe that we can help out. And, we'll, and hey, if, if they decide you want to work with us, we'll be happy to give you a kickback. And more often than not, you get people willing to do that. And of course, you don't have to do a good job for them to want to refer someone. Right. But it, it just creates a, a kind of an environment where sales become a little bit more low pressure, which... I think every business needs to move towards a low pressure, uh, you know, type of sales environment. Because I've seen too many businesses that grew really fast during kind of that age where phone sales and hard sales were really, really effective, and then they kind of just imploded when that stopped working. Because guys like you and me are the new business owners that marketing companies want to sell to, uh, you know, or we're the new consumers that people want to sell to, and we don't take that anymore. I don't talk to telemarketers when I used to be one. So to wrap this up, I have one more question for you. What does success look like for you in this lifestyle as far as RVing, traveling around the country with Gabby, your wife, and you know the work that you're doing? And in a couple of years, you guys decided, hey, we might keep doing this or we're not. What would have made this experience of working on the road in the RV, running your business, what would make that successful? I think two things. The first, the first would have to be the experiences. We have so many stories already, so many wonderful stories. Some of them are, are bad things that happen to us. Like the awning like getting ripped off. Yeah. Or like you almost drowning in your kayak, you know. <laughs> but in retrospect, those are, are good stories because we laugh about them now. And they, they build character. And there's great stories too. Seeing wonderful places, seeing the look on Gabby's face when she sees a city like Austin for the first time lit up at night. And that's something you cannot replace. Those experiences are, are, are things that we're going to hold hold dear forever and when when we're old and gray those are the things that, that you want to look back on you know i remember my grandparents had so many awesome stories of things that they were able to do in their lives and we live in kind of an age where people are doing less and less we're stuck on our computers and our phones all the time and we're living less and we're actually experiencing less and we're doing less things with people and those experiences are something that we will never regret no matter how our being ends up and the other thing is I'll feel successful if we have more highs than lows. Like I said before, the, the lows are lower, but the highs are higher. And if we can just have more highs than lows, then I consider it a success. And so far, it's been that way. We've had some pretty crappy days. A lot of crazy things happen to us, and it gets you down. But when you're stuck in an apartment, there's not always something you can do. In a suburban city like Claremont, where we're from, there's not a lot to see. There's not a lot of places to go. The other day, we were having kind of a rough day here in Austin, and we drove to Zilker Park. 
we took a break from work, hopped on our bikes, and the weather had just cleared up. It had been raining, like you remember, for like five days straight. Yeah. And we got on our bikes and we rode the hiking bike, and we did twelve and a half miles, which is like twice as much as either of us have ever biked in our lives. And it was a wonderful experience. And you don't get that opportunity when you're stuck in a place all the time. And so it allows you to have those highs. So for me, it's if I can leave this with more good experiences and good stories than I would have had otherwise, and if I can look back and see that I was happier than I was before I left, then I consider it a success. Success. That's awesome. Well, thanks, Mark, for being on the show with me. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hey, guys. Thanks for tuning in to today's show with Mark. I was kind of discouraged when I was editing this episode because of how loud the rain was when it was coming down and the wind was making the mic peak a lot. Uh, So if you made it here to the end, you're awesome, and I'm glad the loud noises did not deter you. Uh, If you did make it here to the end, shoot me a tweet at Heath Padgett and just say, I made it, so I can know that you're alive and that you're here and you're listening. If you want to grab the show notes from this episode, head on over to heathpaget.com forward slash episode 14. That's episode spelled out in the number one four. And you can find all the links we mentioned in today's episode over there. I'll see you guys next week on the RV Entrepreneur Podcast. 